This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This episode was made possible by the following sponsors. Discover more ways to enhance flavor and maximize beer yields with Salvo. Now available in varieties like Sultana, Trident, Lotus, Calypso, Cascade, and many more. Discover how Salvo can help boost your brew at hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. And thanks also to Brew Ninja, a brewery software solution that streamlines your day-to-day operations, including inventory, accounting, sales, and compliance, so that you can focus on making great beer. Listeners of this podcast will receive a unique offer by going to GetBrewNinja.com and using the code BrewNinja21. Which you're about to hear originally aired in March of 2019. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode that you won't want to miss. The very start of the study, we just took a knockout sample. We measured the IBU and we were shocked to find that the IBUs were well above 100 when the target was 70. So then we realized... We're losing a lot during fermentation. But the biggest surprise from this was how fast it happened. Uh, without fail, within two days, you are losing that 30% uh, IBU. This week on the show, my pal Aaron Justice from Ballast Point is back to lead us on an awesome journey tracking IBUs throughout the brewing process. This episode is full of surprises and I guarantee you're going to learn something. I'm also linking to the TQ article where you can find Aaron's IBU equations based on the study. You took on a major project in which you closely tracked IBUs throughout your brewing process at three different breweries. Tell us how this all came about. I was sitting in a, in a, in a, uh, a room full of quality analysts, and uh, we're kind of going over our critical beer specs. We go over ABV, IBU, SRM, and kind of just have this roundtable discussion about uh, why any one of our core brands would be out of spec. And uh, I remember we were off uh, our typical IBU for one of our core brands by, uh, I don't know, 15. And I remember uh, someone looking at me and saying, how could this possibly happen? And he, he didn't, he was just being, you know, honest with me. Did you tell him it's because you're wrong half of the time because you it, used to work in the weather industry or what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I wish I could keep my job if I'm wrong half the time. Anyway, uh, enough about the weather, but yeah. So he, he was just being honest with me and, and uh, I, I thought about it. I, I I honestly didn't have an, an answer. You know, I, I, I don't, like I, I get, you know, IBU calculations, uh, how they're gained and lost a little bit, but not actual quantifiable numbers. You know, the stuff that you can use and say, well, if it's off by 15, 
uh, it's possible that uh, he or she missed the Whirlpool edition uh, or a 60-minute uh, hop edition. And if that were the case, then, you know, how do you fix that problem? So uh, it really, it, this, this started, you know, a few years ago and kind of turned into this uh, massive project that we, we kind of started and uh, are still doing. This was uh, going on at three different breweries. Is it worth talking about the differences of the three setups a little bit? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, they are different facilities, uh, a, a little bit here and there. Uh, the one that I worked at, uh, this is our Scripps Ranch facility, it was the initial production facility. It's a, a three-vessel brew house. Uh, we have an infusion mash tun, a kettle, and a whirlpool, uh, kind of your standard setup. Uh, and we, we had flow meters on it. We had flow meters for water coming into the mash tun. We had a flow meter from the mash tun to kettle, and then from kettle to whirlpool, and then, of course, from whirlpool to fermenter. Uh, kind of the same setup at our Miramar facility, which is our new production facility. Uh, we have a 150-barrel uh, brew house and a 300-barrel brew house, but uh, most of the data was taken from the 150, which kind of was similar to our Scripps Ranch facility. Uh, and that, that has a louder ton and a, and a wort receiver, but for the most part, uh, at least for this study, uh, we were focusing on kettle and whirlpools. So kind of the same setup, uh, whereas for our R&D facility, which is a five-barrel facility, it's just a mash ton and a kettle. So it's direct fire. And we whirlpool inside the kettle. All right. So, just how much utilization, or just how much did utilization vary between the different brew house sizes? Did you did you have that data? Were you brewing the same recipes at each location? Uh, we were, uh, and I would say that the the, the direct fire uh, had, generally speaking, had um, less utilization. Uh, because the, the boils weren't as rigorous. The other uh, two locations have an external calandria, so you get a lot of mixing during the boil. And uh, with these bigger systems, you have a longer knockout as well. So uh, you have a little bit more contact time with the hops in the whirlpool, uh, a little bit more momentum in the whirlpool, so you get a lot more mixing in the whirlpool, whereas on a smaller system, you just really don't have that. And you know you knock out a five-barrel batch in, in 20 minutes. So. Uh, generally speaking, yes, uh, the, the bigger systems, we had uh, better utilization. Okay, we've probably all read about the factors that affect hop utilization, like wort gravity and pH. Talk about some of these factors and which ones turned out to matter the most in your breweries. Uh, without a doubt, uh, it, it was um, hop rate. In fact, that was kind of the sleeper of this the study was that uh, hop rate has a huge impact. So if, if you're using a, a pound per barrel uh, hot side hops, uh, you're going to get really uh, less utilization. Uh, gravity, work gravity definitely has an impact. Uh, we noticed that. There's a pretty strong correlation. Uh, wort IBU, as, as the wort IBU approaches 100, uh, you, you see a dramatic plateauing of utilization uh, because you're you're hitting a saturation point. Uh, pH, uh, to be honest, uh, because wort pH doesn't vary that much. I mean, you're going to go from anywhere from you know 4.9 to as high as maybe 5.6. Uh, there really wasn't that strong of a correlation. 
and um time of course uh time was a a a fairly big one uh with the study though we found that uh usually within the first five to ten minutes you're picking up almost uh most of the ideas you're going to get from that hop charge yeah that was a big surprise to me to see that this is a very thorough study. You looked at mash hops, you looked at 60-minute editions, you looked at whirlpool editions, you looked at wet hops, studied IBU loss throughout the process. So let's start with the mash hops. I guess you wanted to know how much bitterness those editions were getting. Talk about that. I, I And this is something that's you know heavily debated in the industry, especially even in our, our own brewery, because a lot of people thought, well, what is this actually doing? Uh, <laughs> and so... We, <laughs> You know, because a lot of people say, "Well, you know, you're just you're just you know flushing these these uh, hops down the toilet," uh, but that that's not the case. We I've, we found I've that probably said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we found that there was even a sensory uh, uh, from our sensory panel. We did notice at least uh, a little bit of a difference between non mash hop and mash hop. But I think the biggest difference that you're going to get is, uh, yes, you're going to get IBUs, uh, and if you use a high alpha hop. And if you're doing about a half pound per barrel of that high alpha hop, you you could get 20, maybe 30 IBUs from mash hopping. And I, I remember when I started home brewing, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, people say, "Oh no, mash hops add nothing. They don't add any uh, IBUs." But that that's not the case. You do get uh, a decent amount. We were seeing utilizations uh, anywhere from about eight to ten percent. And you saw that utilization drop as the hop rate went up there as well, right? We did. It seems like also uh, as the brew progressed uh, and we got to the knockout, uh, it kind of all started to kind of level out. And I don't know if it was because we were approaching a saturation point or if we were starting to see a little bit of thermal degradation of those hop compounds uh, through the process. Because you know you're throwing them in uh, at dough in. Uh, that's a long period of, of you know, high temperatures uh, to those hops. So uh, I, I don't know for sure, but uh, it's something that we've noticed. And we've, we've done this study so many times now, uh, but there is kind of a, a leveling of the playing field as you go through the brewing process. Let's talk about the 60-minute additions. What did you want to learn there? First and foremost, I... I I think what we wanted to do was find out uh, what were our knockout IBUs so that we can kind of get a benchmark to see then how much we were going to lose through fermentation. So with 60-minute additions, uh, we wanted to see how fast we were going to pick up the IBUs and uh, how much, like what was that utilization. And we, we were really surprised. If you're doing a Scottish ale where you're hopping at about 0.1 pounds per barrel, you're going to get about 60% utilization. Whereas if you're doing a, an Imperial Red, which was one of our brews, uh, which is super high gravity and and uh, you know the the hop rate is outrageous, uh, your your utilization is going to drop below 20%. So we kind of wanted to see that, and we did 30 minute additions and 10 minute additions, but we found that they behaved uh, very similarly to 60-minute additions. So uh, we kind of just pushed those aside, the 30-minute, the 10-minute, 15-minute additions, and just focused uh, solely on the 60-minute addition. Talk, talk more about how what you observed in regards to the utilization over time. Uh, so for 60-minute, uh, again, uh, within the first five minutes, 
you're picking up the vast majority of your IBUs. Uh, it's not even close. So uh, you'll see a utilization increase through that boil, and you can see a utilization increase by maybe five to ten percent, uh, which is you know still substantial. But that first five minutes is critical. Were you surprised by that? I could, that definitely surprised me. It, it it is very surprising because I I think um, with with the sixty minute edition, if you're picking up all your IBUs within the first five minutes, uh, I think uh, your first inclination is to think, well, gosh, why not just throw it in at fifteen minutes? You get most of your IBUs, and you also get flavor and aroma, uh, and that that's that was my first takeaway from from those sixty minute editions. Um, and just how high the utilization was. I, I was really surprised by that. Uh, I didn't think it was going, going to be that high. You've got some words of caution for those substituting high alpha additions with lower alpha additions. What's that all about? We did that separate study where we talked about um, where we increased hop rate on uh, one specific uh, Blondale, where uh, we used Polaris at a hop rate of 0.1 and tetanang at a hop rate of uh, 1.2 pounds per barrel. And the utilization dropped from 45% with the Polaris and dropped down to 30% with the tetanang. Uh, and I thought that was really important because I think I hear a lot of people in the industry say, well, you know, when you're doing 60-minute additions, you can, you can substitute any hop because you're going to boil off any um, aroma and flavor from those hops. But you know, if you're going to substitute a low, lower alpha hop, for a higher alpha hop, uh, just realize that your utilization is going to drop uh, significantly. Coming up. All the other IBU calculators that you get uh, online or anywhere else uh, really focus on work gravity and uh, the amount of uh, boiling time. So I wanted to take this data and try to come up with an equation that maybe would be a little bit better at predicting IBUs. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support. Brought to you by BSG, distributors of TNS HAP Oils. Looking for a way to save on freight, reduce waste, all while improving beer quality? Then change your brewing game with TNS HAP Oils. Visit bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn how TNS hop oils can make your beer and your margins better. Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Positively impact your process, product, and profitability with actionable insights from BrewIQ, the industry-leading real-time fermentation monitoring solution. 
visit www.precisionfermentation.com backslash MBAA to start saving time and money today. Berkeley Yeast, creators of the bioengineered yeast Tropics which makes beer with insanely potent passion fruit and guava notes. I actually brewed with Tropics after we talked about it on episode 188, and the next day the brewery smelled like a guava orchard. Now, Berkeley Yeast just released Thiol Boost, which is a liquid thiol precursor that will take it to another level. Mention this podcast to get 15% off your next order. I really hope you listen to what I'm about to say because I'm spending my own money to say it. Most listeners think this podcast is my full-time job, but I actually spend most of my waking hours improving the Lupulin Exchange, which I launched in 2014. I hope that like this show, the exchange has been helpful to you. Would you do me a favor? Buy your next box of hops on the Lupulin Exchange and let me know how I can make the experience even better. I answer every support ticket personally, and I'd love to hear from you. And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District St. Paul, Minneapolis meets at Blackstack Brewing February 23rd. The Master Brewers Brewery Packaging Technology course starts February 24th. District Great Plains meets February 24th and 25th in Kansas City. The multi-district event known as the Eastern Technical Conference is back. March 24th and 25th at the Atlantic Sands Hotel and Conference Center in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. District Rocky Mountain is accepting applications for the newly formed Hoppy Grandma Scholarship until March 31st. The Hoppy Grandma Scholarship honors Carmen Duran by assisting brewers with the tuition of brewing courses to help advance their careers. Details can be found in the scholarship section of the District Rocky Mountain page on the Master Brewers website. District St. Louis is holding a yeast symposium April 20th. District Northwest meets in beautiful Hood River April 21st and 22nd. The Master Brewers Brewery Maintenance Systems course begins June 9th. The world-famous Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course begins September 29th. The 2023 Master Brewers Conference will be October 6th through the 8th in Seattle, Washington. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. Let's move on to the Whirlpool editions. What did you want to learn about about those? Uh, again, I remember uh, when I first started homebrewing, it, it, uh, people would say, oh, you, you get almost no IBUs from, from Whirlpool. Uh, once I became a, a commercial brewer, I quickly realized that that wasn't the case. Uh, once we could actually measure IBUs, we realized that you were going, you're getting a lot of bitterness from the Whirlpool edition. Uh, with Whirlpool, uh, just like 60 Minute, uh, we found that you pick up most of your IBUs within the first five to 10 minutes uh, of contact time. But with Whirlpool, time really didn't matter. Uh, if, and if you think about it, you throw your Whirlpool hops in and they swirl around and, and quickly 
you know, settle into the middle and drop to the bottom. Uh, and then you're, you're knocking out. And uh, so you're not really seeing this agitation that you're seeing during the boil. So we found that with Whirlpool hops, uh, time really doesn't matter. Uh, what we did find was hop rate was a big one. And with pe- the way people hop nowadays, you know, a pound per barrel in the Whirlpool uh, is becoming almost standard for for hoppy beers. Uh, and we found that hopping rate had a substantial effect on utilization, probably the biggest effect. Uh, gravity also had an impact. Uh, we found that the lower gravity beers, there was almost no correlation from about 10 to 13 Plato. Uh, we found almost no correlation. And there, there's been previous studies does, that have kind of shown that. Uh, but once you start to get to higher gravities, above 13 Plato, uh, you're going to start to see a tighter correlation and a decrease in utilization. Uh, and uh, another one that we found was that wort IBU. So if, if, if the wort IBU going into that whirlpool is higher, especially once you start approaching that 100 IBU, uh, you're going to get almost nothing out of those hops. The utilization will drop uh, to almost 10%. Wow. And the results that you saw, again, they were pretty similar between the different breweries, right? Uh, they were. Again, the big breweries, uh, you, just, you get more agitation. There's more momentum in those whirlpools. Uh, you're pumping at a, at a faster rate. Uh, the thermal you know, charge the heat, you know, is retained in, in such a huge vessel. Uh, we were, we were getting significantly higher utilization, but, uh, it was still, uh, fairly high on the smaller system as well. So, uh, whirlpool hops, uh, are a thing. They definitely add, uh, anywhere as, uh, you know, as low as 20% utilization to as high as 44% utilization, which is, which, which is a big deal. Yeah, definitely. Okay, you also studied some uh, wet hop additions. Talk about that. Uh, this this one was fun, and uh, we've done this a couple times. But uh, you know, with wet hops, uh, because they they obviously have uh, way more moisture than than kiln hops, you have to assume that the the, the alpha is going to be uh, about one fourth uh, the amount of a, a pelletized hop. So that's how we kind of calculated. The, uh, the the utilization, but uh, we we put 400 pounds of wet hops uh, cascades uh, into our mash tun, pumped from the kettle into the to the mash tun. Obviously, we saw a, a temperature drop. Uh, temperature dropped into the 190s, uh, but we pumped all the wort from the kettle into the mash tun, steeped it for 20 minutes, and then transferred uh, over to the whirlpool from the mash tun. So the uh, the rest time. Uh, yeah, well, it was was about uh, forty five to fifty minutes, um, and we saw about eight percent utilization uh, for that beer. Particularly, we saw uh, about a thirty two uh, IBU pickup uh, just from steeping with wet hops. Going beyond the brew house, you you determined the average loss of IBUs for the fourteen beers that you analyzed was almost thirty four percent during fermentation, maturation, and filtration. Was that a surprise? Uh, that was a big surprise. I, I think when we when we started doing this study, uh, the very start of the study, we just took a knockout sample, we measured the IBU. And we were shocked to find that the IBUs were well above 100 when the target was 70. So then we realized we're losing a lot during fermentation. But the biggest surprise from this 
was how fast it happened. Uh, without fail, within two days, you are losing that 30% uh, IBU. Once, once, uh, once you pass that high carousing and you start to uh, head towards conditioning and maturation, uh, there really isn't that big of a change in IBU. Uh, even if you're doing kind of a light dry hop, and when I say light dry hop, nowadays a pound per, per barrel is kind of a light dry hop. Uh, <laughs> whereas, you know, uh, we will talk about it in a sec, but, uh, you know, once you start getting to three, it starts getting interesting. But uh, yeah, a pound per barrel really doesn't affect IBUs. Uh, then filtration, you get to filtration. And, uh, you know, it, if we only centrifuge a beer, uh, we would see about 5% further loss. Uh, if you do centrifuge and um, and a, a polishing filter, uh, you could see as high as a fifteen percent loss. And you saw this. Um, you saw this loss was greater, I think, in the beers that had those real heavy whirlpool additions, right? It is, and it's something that I, I want to study. Uh, we don't have HPLC, but uh, I'm definitely going to send this off to another lab to get this. But uh, we found that. If a beer relies heavily on uh, Whirlpool IBUs, I, you see a quick loss during fermentation and even filtration. So I'm curious to see what specific compound is being lost. I don't know if it's humulinone or if it's uh, uh, isohumulone versus isocohumulone. Uh, I don't have that answer, but it is something that we observe for sure. Do you want to say more about the loss from like yeast and stuff? I feel like we didn't really talk about that very much. Is that worth talking about or not? I mean, it's in your paper, but doesn't mean we have to talk about it here. But uh, yeah, actually, uh, I totally forgot about that too. Holy smokes! Uh, <laughs> another thing. Okay, so uh, we found that you get IBU loss in the first two days of fermentation, uh, but the amount of IBU loss did depend on. Uh, how flocculent that yeast was. If it's a low flocculent yeast and a state in suspension, uh, like a, 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 a wit yeast, uh, we used uh, Sactois. And we found uh, from those two yeast strains specifically, uh, even some lager strains, uh, we were getting more IBU loss. Uh, the other thing we found was if it's a higher gravity beer, so you get a more rigorous longer fermentation and you get a, a little bit more biomass building in that that fermenter uh, you're going to get also bigger losses uh in ibus from those type of beers we had dr may on the show way back on episode four and he talked about how dry hopping can increase or decrease ibus depending on conditions what was your experience oh yeah we when we started doing uh, hazies and we're playing around with hazies where we would double dry hop, uh, we'd have initial hop charge, you know, day one, day two fermentation, uh, and then another one at terminal gravity. Uh, we were seeing uh, big increases in IBU. Uh, I'm talking uh, anywhere from 20, maybe even 30 uh, IBU increase with each one of those uh, hop charges. Uh, we've even done uh, beers now where they're dry hop only, and we dry hop at terminal gravity, and we've seen uh, an increase uh, 30 to 40 IBUs, uh, and we're, we're dry hopping at about three to four pounds per barrel. 
Yeah, I'd like to hear more about that. So I know you said you, you um, or the the paper indicated that you brewed a couple of hazy session IPAs that had no kettle hops and so dry hopping only. Uh, what, what was what did the data look like on those? What what numbers did you see there? Uh, yeah, those were the ones that uh, I easily picked up uh, anywhere. I, we saw a range from about twenty five to as high as forty IBUs, and it really depends on. Um, what hops you're using. Uh, I couldn't find a correlation. I mean, we haven't done the study enough, uh, but obviously the, the alpha uh, content is going to impact that because that could, uh, you know, correlate to humulinone uh, uh, amounts. But uh, with the dry hop only, uh, we relied solely on uh, our bitterness were solely coming from those humulinones. Uh, but that was the, the whole point of the beer. Uh, we added no kettle hops. Uh, we found that kettle hops kind of uh, uh, negatively impact hay stability. I can't believe I'm even talking about hay stability. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we found that you know, hot side hops uh, uh, impact hay stability. So we didn't want to add any hot side hops. Uh, and so we just focused just on dry hop. And we wanted to pick up most of our bitterness coming from that dry hop charge at the end of fermentation. And uh, the one that we're, where we did Centennial at four pounds per barrel, uh, we saw a, a 40 IBU pickup. What was the sensory bitterness like in that beer? Uh, it's super soft. Uh, it's like what people uh, describe it as, uh, especially when you're using so much weed. I've, I've noticed that when you use wheat, uh, you're introducing those proteins, which can kind of uh, impact your your perception of bitterness, uh, but it's definitely a softer bitterness. Uh, that is without a doubt. Cool. As I was reading through your paper, I got I don't know a little more than halfway through, and um, I I jotted down a note to a question to ask you whether or not anyone has built a model for predicting uh, IBU that takes all these factors into account. And then I got down to the bottom, and I learned that you have uh, worked on that yourself. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Right. I, I, I figured that, um, and this is something I've always wanted to work on because uh, all the other IBU calculators that you get uh, online or anywhere else uh, really focus on work gravity and uh, the amount of uh, boiling time. So I wanted to take this data and try to come up with an equation that maybe would be a little bit better at predicting IBUs, uh, not only for knockout, but then for finished product. Uh, so yeah, uh, I realized, well, I mean, you're going to have to treat kettle hops different from whirlpool hops. With kettle hops, you focus uh, on hop rate, work gravity, and time. And really, hop rate's what, probably the biggest impact. It has the biggest impact uh, on utilization. Uh, whereas for the whirlpool, focused on hopping rate again, uh, I remove time out of the equation because, uh, for the most part, you pick up your IBUs in the first 10 minutes, and uh, it just doesn't make a difference. So remove, remove, remove time out of the equation. Uh, so you have, uh, again, hopping rate, gravity, and wort IBU as it comes into the uh, whirlpool. And those are the three factors that affect uh, uh, your whirlpool utilization. So I, I separated those two, and I, I have to admit I'm I'm not a statistician. I'm not uh, I'm I took a lot of math in in, in college, uh, for for meteorology. But man, 
<laughs> I had to painstakingly go through and and write this equation and try to match the data as much as possible. So that took a lot of time, but I, I will say that at least this equation worked for a Scripps branch location. Uh, we were getting our, our targets uh, within um, within about five five IBU, and we were brewing a wide variety of uh, beer styles. Uh, we were doing a lot of one-off brews, uh, just weird, crazy stuff, uh, high gravity, low gravity stuff, uh, and 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 the equation for the most part works. So uh, I, I know that it's not a universal equation. Every brewery is going to be unique, uh, but at the very least, this is a, a start. And uh, you can kind of take this and tailor it to your brewery. Uh, that was the whole point of uh, me kind of sharing this with everyone. That's pretty cool. And listeners who want to check out those equations, they can uh, find those in the Technical Quarterly article, which uh, you can find on the Master Brewers website. And we'll also link to it in the show notes here. Aaron, we know that IBUs don't correlate to sensory bitterness. And the IBU test was never designed for the type of beers most craft brewers are making these days. So I got to ask, are we just wasting our time with the wrong type of analysis for hoppy beers? (laughs) Uh, that's funny you asked that because i i wanted to kind of start off the entire paper and even when i gave this talk at the brewing summit i wanted to start off saying that this this uh this measurement of ibu is is uh is not probably the best uh technique uh and the reason why uh is that it the, the ibu tests measures anything that's soluble in iso-octane and absorbs at 275 nanometers. So uh, we, we found that uh, something like uh, uh, pumpkin spices or bitter orange peel would actually add IBUs to specific beers. So, uh, and this doesn't always yeah, correlate to sensory bitterness. So uh, with all that said, when you think about the spectro- spectrophotometer and measuring IBU, uh, we used it more as a critical control point to verify uh, that the beer is the same as it was when we brewed it last week. Uh, and uh, it will allow us to kind of be more predictive of what to expect possibly uh, with a beer that we're going to brew in the future, whether we're scaling it from a home brew or a five barrel batch or commissioning a new brew house on the East Coast. I look forward to hearing people's feedback and uh, I look forward to seeing other people's studies. I, I want people to, to just share their information and, and be passionate about brewing. That was Aaron Justice here on the Master Brewers Podcast. I know you want to see Aaron's IBU calculator, so check out the link to his TQ article in the show notes, or just type Quest for Consistency into the industry's best search bar at mbaa.com. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers Podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Brew Ninja, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. 